When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. internet land it's your good friend poser i'm back and so is the sneaky good podcast back for another year of exciting lsu football after we lost our opener and i tried to beg off of that first episode because that's what i do i I try to avoid bad news um here with max how's it going max things are things are pretty interesting um brian kelly is the head coach at lsu and that's yeah i'm that's weird. Uh, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. And honestly, he's not creepy and mean. He's likable. It's so weird. Like, honestly, yeah. Leah Van should get some kind of, like, Medal of Honor for making Brian Kelly personable and likable. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's the craziest even, thing I've ever seen. He even followed up on the likability thing this week. He, he followed up on the joke and brought $10 to this week's press conference. You do you, Brian Kelly. Don't make me like you. And also, we have Ben in the back, doing yes. producing stuff. Yes, that's right. It's me. I'm here producing stuff, trying also to hold back the fact that, wow, Brian Kelly is likable. This is definitely new. I don't know how he's dealing with it either. He must yeah, feel the, really weird. Cause the, it's the, like, world, the world makes no sense. Just no. no sense whatsoever. Like No, El- we saw that this weekend, didn't we? Les Miles bent time and space. Ed Orgeron was briefly competent as a head coach and now brian kelly kelly is likable lsu does weird things to coaches yeah it's like i it's like i wrote in my uh my post game for uh florida state it's if there's one thing that sort of unifies lsu football at least in my lifetime it's just been that it's always no matter what no matter how good they are no matter how bad they are it's weird yeah, and we were that was the whole point of the Brian Kelly hire is that we were going to get rid of weird. And instead, we're back in weird. Uh, I I just don't understand it, but here we are. We missed an extra point to lose our first game. Still a little bitter. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That 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 still hurts a little bit. I personally bit. had fun. I don't know why <laughs> you would be bitter. We didn't deserve to win that game at all. That, we were complete that, and utter you were just garbage for most of that game and we were that's somehow actually in true. It. That's actually true, and that's how come I'm not, like, breaking things. It's much easier <laughs> right. to lose on a last-second missed extra point when you never felt you deserved to win the game in the first place. Uh, it, I, I think you're true. absolutely right. It, it does make it go down a little easier. And, yeah, you just get into the bizarre nature of college football. It's like, yeah, all right, that, that, that's how that's going to happen. And then... Uh, this weekend against Southern, um, LSU scored on 37 points in the first quarter. So uh, um, that was fun. <laughs> this Any time a block kick actually ended up scoring LSU points. I mean, yeah, it was a punt and not like an extra point, but still 
And speaking of which, oh. well, I think we made all our extra points. We did. We, we hit extra, every extra point, and we even went to a backup kicker for one. Yes, <laughs> the famed so, backup kicker. We, there's nothing better when you know you have had a blowout when the backup kicker shows up in the scorebook. That's that's truly the standard for a blowout. Yeah, yes. they also and played their third string quarterback. They did. Walker yeah, Walker Howard, Howard did, got a series. Did not get to throw a pass though. So sadly, uh, he did not. They busted a protection on him though. Uh, only appeared in the scorebook as zero for zero for zero yards. So I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, and this is what uh, the official. I feel old. Like I was in school when Jamie Howard was in school. So the fact that Jamie Howard's kid is now a freshman at LSU. I'm not going to lie. It, it makes me feel pretty old because my kids are not LSU ready. Um, Lil Poser is only six. He's going to turn seven next month. Um, I really don't see a quarterback for LSU in his future. Um, but uh, it's cool to see Jamie Howard's kid out there because if we're talking about people who were mistreated by the LSU fan base, Jamie Howard is really high up on the list. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take your word for that one. Uh, I, um, okay, I this is right. This is right. Tell the little kids, 1994. That is the six interception game. That's Jamie Howard. He yeah, threw six Auburn. interceptions in a game. He threw six interceptions. Oh, that's in bad. Game. Yeah, that yeah. Never it, it was not good. Yeah, it's the, and honestly, I blame Lynn Amity for it, who was the offensive coordinator of that game, who threw Jamie Howard under the bus at, in the post game press conference. Uh, the, this quote, I mean, it was 30 years ago, so I'm going to get the quote wrong. But he said something along the lines of, I called good plays, but uh, Jamie Howard uh, did not execute them properly. And really, I'm going to say this 30 years later. Go fuck yourself, Lynn Amity. Um, and also, good old Jamie Howard for sending, you know, still not being bitter. I mean, this is a guy who received death threats when he was at LSU. Still loving the school. Sends his kid to LSU. And Walker Howard, you know, that's that's who we're banking on. Yeah, the that's for sure. That is for sure. I mean, it, it, you know, speaking of the future, he's one of he's one of two guys I think LSU is looking at in the future. The other being Garrett Nussmeyer, who was beyond rough uh, against Southern. Ugh. It was it wasn't just the two interceptions. It was it was on a just de- like honestly, if. if the two, if he had played well, aside from the two interceptions, I would be able to hand wave it, just because they were consciously irresponsible decisions where he just threw up yolo balls in a blowout. Um, but he just he he was missing reads on a down to down basis. He looked really, really, really rough. And, and what really made it concerning for Nussmeyer is, in contrast, how good Daniels. I mean, it's not like they took everybody out of the game. So Daniels what, goes 10 for 11, um, only throws one incompletion in the entire game, and then Nussmeyer comes out there. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I think he completed about 60% of his passes, but he looked nothing like he was in Nussmeyer's – nothing like he was in Daniels' league. And for a QB controversy that was supposed to be close, uh, I mean, clearly Daniels is the guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I, I, the reason I think it was close is because, like, with that red no contact jersey on, everything's totally different. Uh, your process isn't sped up as much when you don't have to worry about getting hit. 
so I could imagine that he was sitting there in practice just ripping absolute bombs all over the field, and they knew that Daniels was going to be able to ha- handle live reps and, you know, play within structure uh, and do all the things they need him to do at a higher level, but they just they couldn't not give that kind of an arm a chance, especially given the throws I imagined he was making in practice. Uh, and But, like, I, I don't really think they were ever going to start Nussmeyer. I think he would have had to to actually go win the job, and I definitely don't. Obviously, he definitely didn't do that. Uh, but I don't know if he was ever really close. Super, like I don't know. Like I, it, I, I feel like it's part of a. It's partially a practice thing. No, no, uh, I don't think so either. I agree. Yeah, like, it, yeah, but like they, they could really use him getting there because he's he really is so talented. Like the the arm. And I agree. The, I, I think they hyped it up as close, but what I'm happy about is that. I, and I'm a big fan of that. Just go out there and just give it to the, the upperclassmen because of experience. But it's not that case. Daniels is clearly the better quarterback right now. now yeah, for sure. And look, I don't want to write off Nussmeyer's whole career based on garbage time against Southern. And honestly, there was an element of him trying to impress too much. That's probably true, yeah. I, I mean, those picks were bad. I mean, they were bad. But it was also a matter of a guy trying to force the ball, trying to make a big play. He was trying to show off. And and I get it. Like, the guy in front of you just went 10 for 11 for 137 yards. You got to do something. Uh, But what I I thought was so good about Jaden Daniels' performance was that first drive, it was like the first two plays he was trying to answer every critic. He, the first play, he stayed in the pocket, I think, way too long. And still, fe- I, it, that couldn't have been his first read. And he got, like, a you know, a short gain of, like, four or five yards. It was like, hey, look, everybody, I know how to progress through reads. And yeah, I'm pulling the up the play, play right now. And then the second play, he forced the ball to Bouti. I, I think it was a handoff or something like that. It was just like, okay, look, I'm going to get guys who – didn't quite have a good first game involved in the offense. Hey, everybody, look, I'm trying. And then on the third play, he was like, nah, screw it. I'm Jaden Daniels, and I'm going to be who I am. And he rushed the ball into the end zone. And from that point on, the route was on. And I I think that's the moment the game started. It's when he stopped trying to be the quarterback for other people. And that includes me in that, because I was highly critical of Daniels in his first week. Uh, this is a guy who just looks confident in the pocket now. Now, agreed, it's Southern. I, I don't want to read too much into it, but 10 of 11 is 10 of 11. I don't care who you're playing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, I thought that on his rushing touchdown, I mean, which just goes to show, by the way, how gifted he is with his legs. I mean, they are, he is, in, I, I, you know, I was having this thought the other night that if he had played for, for Gus Malzahn or Urban Meyer during, like, the early 2010s, he would have rushed, like, 16, 1,700 yards and, like, 20 touchdowns. Like, he really is that kind of player that could have just been one of the most dynamic runners in the country and, like, one of those, you know, turn-of-the-decade spread, pure spread option offenses. But, like, because he is – he's really, like, 4-4 fast. He's agile. Um and, like, you know, I, I have no problem, especially with an offensive line that's going to break down the structure of the play as much as it does. Um, like, I I really like the fact that, you know, they have a guy who is 
able to actually raise the floor of your offense so much by being able to rip off. Like, again, against, you know, you look at Florida State and everything, I think, went wrong uh, in a lot of in a lot of ways for the structure of their their concepts and plays with it. And he ended up turning it into a 100 yard rushing day. That's for a quarterback. That's impressive anyway. But doing that all out of structure is that raises the floor of your offense so much. Yeah, I think a lot of his first that first week was a. I I think I agree with you. A lot of things went wrong, and it's hard to dig yourself out of the hole. Also, give credit to Florida State; they had a good game plan, which was we're going to hold on to the ball, minimize possessions, and have really long time sucking drives. So LSU didn't get chance to get to the rhythm, and that's what you do when you're the inferior team is you shorten the game. Uh, This is a standard practice which every team that isn't as talented should use in pretty much every sport. If you're not as good, you should burn clock and make the game more random. And that's what Florida State did, and it worked out great. It it was... And it's, it's easier said than done. But they have these incredibly long drives, those third downs played, and... Looking ahead, I'm not sure Mississippi State is the kind of team that can do that. Weirdly, weirdly, like, well, they, 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 you know, they have a lot of time of possession, but they don't shorten the game. They lengthen the game. Like, yes, yeah, it's, yeah, because it, it, yeah, it's it, it's ball control and time of possession, but it's not. It, it, they're not army in the sense that they're eating clock. Um, but like the thing about Florida State is there, there's a couple things. One, like, honestly, I'm not sure they. Are. They may not be the inferior team. They might. They uh, look. This is there's a lot TBD. We don't know anything about a lot of teams, but they might actually be pretty good. Uh, Florida, no, no, no like, I agree with that. They're not terrible. I, I don't. I don't want to. I'm not trying to say that Florida State is a bad team, but I do think LSU has more talent than Florida State. That's true. Uh, I think. If, I think if they would have played this week coming up, I think LSU wins that game. That's uh, also I think true. The fact I think. that Florida State played that first game. that's that's the thing that played and and yeah like I don't think the talent gap is massive I don't think it was like oh my god how do we lose to this terrible team like I don't think that at all but I do think if you looked at it like LSU just has better athletes at most positions not not at every and there is a talent gap there but Florida State had a plan of how to account for that and they executed it perfectly and even then LSU still almost won the game that's true. I, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, if they hit that extra point, LSU had scored on its last three on its last Yeah, three I runs. agree. They would have I think they would have won in overtime. Yeah, I I think they win in overtime. So Florida State got away with one and I think they know it. And, and good for them. Like uh, this is not a, a a knock on Florida State. This is because I care about LSU. I don't care about Florida State. And look, Florida State might go off and win the ACC because good lord Everyone someone sucks, has to. Yeah. Yeah, someone has to. Uh, but um, I, from an LSU perspective, you look at it, that fourth quarter was incredibly encouraging because that's the team you expected to see. And I think Brian Kelly's halftime speech in that first game was right. It was just like, I don't think we could play worse. And He, he ended up right. They didn't. Like, they played better. Um, but, like, it's, you know, the thing, uh, the one thing I will say about the Florida State game is that of course, you know, like you said, they I I thought they had a great game plan, um, particularly on defense. Like, 
they were they played you know too high basically the entire game. Uh, they stayed a hat short in the run fit, uh, knowing that they had positive matchups on the defensive line. Uh, because yeah. that's that's where that's where they outmatched. I thought they outmatched not necessarily out raw talented, but like they they were no, be- they're be- they're better now. Um, so yeah. they, they 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 stayed back, um, and you know they played a hat short in the run fit because they knew that guys like Jared Verse and Fabian Lovett were going to beat their blockers, disrupt things, uh, and LSU cannot run the football whatsoever. Um, and you know their their RPO stuff. Was, was snuffed out as well because they were leaving the conflict players out of the fit and having them cover routes. So they were covering routes and uh, on RPO stuff. So they were pretty short in the run fit, but they ended up okay because they were just winning their blocks up front. Uh, so as a result, like you take away all of LSU's non-big you know big play offense. And as a result, when you do that, you can make a team really, really inefficient put them into third down and that's when the pass rush really, really teed off. So that, that is sort of how, like, I think that really, really bad matchup just ended up exploiting LSU and just how bad LSU is on the offensive line, or at least they were in week one. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, it was a great game plan. Like that you exploit that matchup. You, you, you sort of sell out, to deal with the stuff that you don't necessarily match up as well in, which is on the back end against LSU's receivers. Uh, And on the other side of the ball, like Jordan Travis just balled out. Like Matt House, I thought had a really good game plan. I thought he schemed up pressure the whole night. uh, And I don't think they got killed on the back end or anything. I thought they were, they were pretty sound in coverage structurally. Uh, And Jordan Travis balled out. Like, so I, a lot had to happen. The pleasant surprise of the early season is how good the secondary looks because I, I was pretty worried about the secondary. I, I thought that was going to be a team weakness. And right now I, I'm not going to say, Hey, DBU. I mean, this is not the 2011 secondary or anything, but it's not a weakness. That, that secondary is looking pretty good so far now they will be tested against Mississippi state who throws the ball a ton and we'll see how they can handle assignments because they're going to be dropping eight the entire game. I hope so, God willing. <laughs> but that was a big, a good sign out of the Florida State game. The one thing I really liked about the Southern game, other than just the obvious, you know, blowout stuff, I, I thought the moves that Kelly made on the offensive line were, were pretty smart because inherently I don't like getting rid of Dellinger off the center position. I, I think long-term he's going to be your center. I, I think he's the guy you just kind of want to put there. But the problem wasn't center. The problem was right tackle. Cameron Wire just got killed. Killed, and yeah. He, and he just can't manage the position. So in order, I think moving Dellinger off of center was so you can move him to left guard, so you can move Miles Frazier to right tackle. It was... It was more about fixing right tackle than it was fixing center. Like yeah, and fixing guard at that point yeah, because I mean, guard. Dillinger I thought guard had, was a problem too. Yeah, you know, Dellinger had a couple of bad snaps, but like by and large, that wasn't a a big deal. Yes, it cost us a touchdown, but by and large, that wasn't the thing that killed LSU in the game. Like it, it, those were mistakes you could live with from a sophomore center. Yeah, um, but instead, I, I think. I think over the course of the year, Dellinger would have turned into a good center. The problem is, is Cameron Wire, 
was showing no signs he would be a good right tackle. And you had to move Miles Frazier out there. Completely and, agree. And, and so I think all the huge it, – it's this cascading move. And when you look at the move, it's obviously something you couldn't do in a game because – Moving Dexter yeah. to left guard, Frazier to right tackle, promoting Turner to center. You've just changed three of your five offensive linemen. That's there's a, there's a lot of, yeah, the, that, you have to rep all your concepts again in practice. Like, it, it's all totally different. Like, that, that, that's, yeah. that's a, a, during the week. Yeah, that, that took a week. And, and so I thought that was a, I thought it was the right response. Now, again, just Southern. So we'll see how it works against, yeah. you know, a live defense. But, I was really impressed, like, what his decision was. Even though, long-term, I really think Garrett Dellinger needs to be our center. He, he can play guard for a season and then go back next year. Or maybe Charles yeah. Turner, you know, is just, yeah. is the guy. I mean, it's not like Charles Turner's going to go pro after this year. Right, no, exactly. Uh, I Like, I totally, you know, I totally agree. Um, and it's just sort of the kind of basic pragmatic competence that I think we've been so lacking for frankly over a decade at this point like that's not to say yeah. LSU's coaches were always bad like they were but at the same time like there was you could it was never a given that they were going to make these pragmatic moves it, it, yeah, like it, it, it was it never was given pragmatic it was flexible it was both pragmatic right. and flexible it's like hey option a is not working what's option b instead of keep trying option a you know, yeah, like I totally agree with that. Like it was, it was so good to see Brian. And honestly, the reputation that Brian Kelly has is is this big screamer, the totalitarian coach. He's, you know, you know, he's this big jerk basically. And instead, he kind of came off really well like, as a thoughtful. Hey, what's the problem? I'm going to approach this as a problem solver, and I'm going to deal with the situation and like even in that first game there wasn't a whole lot of yelling on the sidelines he wasn't chewing guys out grabbing them by the face mask the question is is like is this a new brian kelly yeah i mean like i honestly like part of me wonders you know I, i'm sort of split between wondering um you know wondering how much of it what how much of it is that like Brian Kelly is sort of turning over a new leaf and how much of it is that Brian Kelly was never necessarily the guy he was reputed as, you know, maybe, maybe not to the extent that he was reputed as at Notre Dame, which is such an inherently unlikable program um, in general. Uh, and I think that, yeah. like, and I think that like part of the, you know, the fact like him being a, a, a very, very, you know, organized, pragmatic uh, business-like, uh, you know, guy at a at such a a a literally holier than thou institution sort of created this aura and perception, as well as some like you know, as well as some moments. Um, but like at the same yeah. time, like you, you you know, I start to sort of deconstruct it a little bit. And it's like, is he really like less of a totalitarian or more of a totalitarian than a majority of coaches in college football? And I don't, honestly don't think so. Like, and I, I I thought so until very recently. Uh, but like, yeah, like you know, I, I definitely had a perspective of Kelly as a guy, and he has not lived up to my cartoonish perspective of what he is. But 
to be fair, like Saban is not nearly as totalitarian as he once was. I mean, guys, absolutely evolve. true. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, like it, it, it's unbelievable that like he'll look. He'll still he'll still chew out his coordinators. I mean, which by the way is totally deserved because Bill, in year two, Bill O'Brien still can't get them in the right protections. But like, it's you know he's Nick Saban's like Nick Saban, and and I think you ask a lot of his players like he's not. He's not, because the fact of the matter is you can't coach like that in the modern day, no matter who you are, you can't do it. It's just not going to work. No, I agree. Like kids I, are, I, kids are, I think yeah. too, kids are, are different now. Well, it's not even that they're different. Like they're it's a different. bad, te- it was always a bad teaching method. I, I mean, like, yeah, that's in true. In your life, if you, have you ever learned from someone who just screams and yells at you? It's a Never. bad teaching method. And, and, like, I understand, like, in the moment sometimes. Like, guys are allowed to lose their cool. I, I don't want to say, like, you're never allowed to be upset. Because that's crazy. But Saban definitely had a reputation, and so did Kelly, of just being guys who yelled at kids. Like, that was their teaching method, was just to keep yelling at people. And, yeah, that's ineffective. Like, people will tune you out. And Saban has clearly evolved from that image of him. And I think Kelly looks like he has evolved from that as well. He's a guy who looks like he has seen a problem and he knows what the problems are and he's trying to address them in a logical way. And I think he did a good job of taking the blame for the Florida State game. I mean, he he, he put a little on the players. He's like, look, you got to execute better. But he also said, hey, I have to coach better. And that's fair. I mean, you don't want to leave your players totally off the hook. You don't... You, but the right, time, because they're going to be like, oh, it's not my fault. I don't need to do anything. Right. But also, it didn't come off as mad. It came off as, hey, this is what we did wrong. We're going to learn from it. And honestly, it's an out-of-conference game. Like, does it really matter? And if we look at the results of week two around the country, is LSU really out of the SEC race? I mean, after week one, when everyone else won and LSU was the only team to lose... It looked like we were headed for a pretty long season. But after week two... Man, I don't know if they're... Is yeah. anybody really that good? Yeah, 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 they are. They are. Like, they are. even the Jordan. really good teams had kind of off weeks. Like, Except I mean, Jordan. like, here's a random Yeah, but we don't that... play Georgia, so, yeah. Yeah, Georgia but, yeah, but, we, yeah, but like... <laughs> I was going to say, I... like, Georgia putting up 33 on a team that allowed fewer than 33 points to three of their 11 opponents last year, including uh, the Citadel and Tennessee Tech. But, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not going to care about, I'm not going to care about point totals in a game where you, where the team stops playing. Oh, I'm just like, going to laugh at it. I'm just going to laugh at it. I'm going to laugh agree, at it but like, it's funny. Let's just score 37 points in the first quarter on Southern, and we're totally writing the game off because I know it's a FCS team. It doesn't matter. But if you're telling me who looked more impressive in week two, Georgia or LSU, if you only had that to look at, who looked like the better team? Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I understand Georgia is a better team. I, I, I freely admit that, but I'm saying if you only looked at week two, LSU looked like they were in that class. Again, yeah. No, they, they look, they, they did, they did what elite teams do to SCS teams. They didn't, yes. they didn't do the thing that bad LSU teams do where they, where they win by like 30, but it's really annoying. And, 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 
harder than it should be, and the starters are in until like the late third, third quarter. Third, fourth quarter, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. like we did against McNeese last year. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly ex- like that. I mean, exactly like that. And if you look around the SEC West, okay, Arkansas looked great. Uh, I don't know if they're wagon. I think. Game. They, uh, they I mean, ran Arkansas. the ball 63 times for... So if you take out sacks, because sacks are not rushes, and anybody who yeah. wants to argue with me on that, uh, you're wrong. Um, 63 <laughs> rushes for 307 yards. This is yeah, not a good. service academy. This is an yeah, NCC football team who did that. And uh, what? Yeah, they I did mean, that I hate to... an like... SEC football team. I know I South Carolina is technically an SEC team, but still... Yeah, I hate, to, I hate to praise great. Kendall Bryles too much, but like he is good at this. Yeah, uh, like, and also KJ Jefferson is. I, I before the season, I was saying he's the best quarterback who's not Bryce Young. I think he's the best quarterback in the SEC right now. Uh, no, nah, he's not better than Bryce Young. Bryce, I, I think I, Bryce Young is Bryce Young is it, like it, it's it's such a weird thing to say about an Alabama quarterback, but he's getting so badly let down by. His coaching staff, his offensive line, and his receivers—that is ridiculous. Like it's he's way and, better than this. And to give Bryce Young credit, he made the play when it mattered. He, he yeah. as bad as he looked for most of the day against Texas, when they needed someone to make a play, that twenty-yard run I think he had when he escaped the the sack. Uh, Bryce Young saved Alabama's bacon. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing as last year, like. It, which is un- actually unbelievable, really unbelievable for a guy who's as much of a fixer as Saban. Uh, it's 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 this, they have the same problems as last year. Like uh, they they cannot get in the right protections. They will blow a protection like a protection a drive almost and give up free rushers all of the time. Uh, and, and and the fact of the matter is Bryce Young keeps that offense afloat by himself by being so good at avoiding free rushers and so sharp in his process and so accurate. That like, I mean, he like he's being asked. I mean, to do even more than Joe Burrow was asked, like in 2019, um, and Joe Burrow was asked as much as you'll ever see a college quarterback asked, like from a pure technical mental perspective. Uh, but like Bryce Young is is sort of running a similar offense schematically, except it's not really that operational because his receivers aren't. It's it's unbelievable how much Alabama's receivers are struggling right now. And yeah, uh, yeah, their they're, offensive they're... line, like, and this is O'Brien's fault because it's schematic at this point and structural how they keep giving up free rushers, but they, they're in the wrong protections all, all the time. It's ridiculous, and Bryce Young has to bail them out. But, like, yeah, I mean, K.J. Jefferson, you know, he's not in a vacuum. He's probably in a pure vacuum. He's probably, like, the fifth-best quarterback in the SEC, yeah, but, but like in that offense, he, he's really good at it. That's the thing that matters. He's like, a great we're not talking runner. About vacuums. Yeah, we're talking about what they're actually doing on the field. Right now, KJ Jefferson is the guy who scares me. You look yeah. at Bama right now. Like last year, they barely escaped Florida. They Us. lost to AM. Somehow barely escaped LSU. And that was a bad LSU team. They beat Arkansas by only seven, even though that was kind of a shootout. Auburn. They, <laughs> Auburn. They they, it, they, they they got they miracle they they needed a miracle to be Brian Harson and TJ Finley. Yeah, and then in, in in what quadruple overtime? Pretty much something like that. It was a quadruple overtime. And then like, got, well they and they needed Bryce Young to bail them out. That's what happened. But like and then lost by fifteen to Georgia in the championship game. 
So they did beat the SEC championship. So it's not they did beat they did beat Georgia. It, it, but but that's the thing with Bam. They're so talented that their range of outcomes in a game is always high. That's, but but thing, they they, they flirted with the low end too much. My point is yeah. My point is this. That's a lot of close games for Bama. Like Bama against sketchy teams. Yeah, like, yeah, and not against like teams that you're like, wow, these are really impressive teams they went toe to toe with. I mean, last year's Florida team wasn't good. Last year's LSU team was pretty sketchy. A and M is toasting off of that win and they were a four and four team in the sec they weren't that good last year auburn wasn't that good last year i mean these are not team i'll give them arkansas as being that's an okay loss i mean okay win to be close they played yeah, a lot of close games be. and they went four, like that's like four or five close games which is not alabama football they are used no, to not blowing teams out and this year they needed a miracle to beat Texas. They were not. The they better they team. needed. They, 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 they I, were I, not. I, yeah. Texas they was the better team. They shouldn't have had that. And that's even a safety. Let, let yeah, me. And look, a was a safety, and also, and we won't even get into Quinn Ewers, which. Oh, uh, we are. Actually, you know what? I we want will. to get into Max. It. Here we go, Max. You, the floor is yours. You can now bitch about Quinn Ewers getting hurt. All yours. <laughs> All right. So going into the year. Quinn, I mean, Quinn, I, Quinn Ewers is probably one of my favorite quarterback prospects out of high school ever. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I wasn't alone in that, um, obviously. But, like, seeing him put in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, which is top three of my favorites in the entire country, uh, with good receivers, I just thought I thought they were going to hunt. I thought they were going to be one of the most fun teams in the country. And through a quarter, it looked like they were about to rip Bama to pieces with exactly that. And then he goes down. And then the backup gets hurt and plays hurt. And then they get, you know, Birmingham somehow hijacking the Big 12 refs and handing them the game. It was ridiculous. Uh, Quinn Ewers, please come back and win the Heisman next year. Yeah. So even without Quinn Ewers, though, they were still the better. They team. almost won. They almost. Like, it was Texas, crazy. And Texas's backup was like hobbling. Like he got yeah, into hobbling. Two. Hobbling. And honestly, if you're an LSU fan, is that not the perfect result? Um, Bama still wins, but looks incredibly weakened. And Texas uh, is now claiming moral victories. I mean, isn't that kind of perfect? Hey, we it's played them perfect. tough. Yeah, yeah like, ugh. Uh, it, it is an understandable moral victory, considering, but like... It is. Like, like honestly... And, and, if, if, if the refs actually figured out the fact that... Okay, it's like... Okay, I, I wrote this in one of in my piece when I was doing my Take a Look Tuesday thing that... So, when Bryce Young went down in the end zone, his wrist touched the ground. Yeah, if we all remember the 2019 SEC Championship, there was a play where Clyde Edwards-Alaire had fumbled the ball, but his wrist was on the ground, which meant that he was down. So yeah. Oh, that's logical, right. I remember that. Yeah. That was the first yeah. thing that came to my mind. I'm like, okay, his wrist is down. He's got control of the ball. That's a safety. That's two points. This is a one-point game. There's and absolutely also, no There's no way they should. Even if he's not down, all right, which he was. I totally he agree. Was down. Yeah, I agree. He was down. But even if he's not, how is that not grounding? He was in the tackle box. He just threw the it ball was. They called Yeah, like they called it roughing so grounding the Grounding in the end zone is an automatic safety. Yeah, and they called it roughing the passer when he just touched his legs diving out of the way. Oh, the, the like roughing the passer I thought was a fixes in call where they're like, hey, yeah, there's really. no targeting, but roughing the passer still exists. And so, therefore, but that was grounding. Like, even, even yeah. he wasn't down, I think the which ball I got totally tipped. agree he was. I, but even then, I don't know how that. 
I don't know how that it, means you know, anything, the, but like, like a, the ball, the, the ball got tipped. Scratch. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but like, still, I I just can't believe they didn't review that for a safety when he's clearly got his wrist down. You can see it; it's clear as day. Yeah, what, that's and, so and, well, yeah. Obvious. For me, it's like the the three prongs of intentional grounding are outside the tackle box, receiver in the area, uh, um, and line of scrimmage. Yeah, and it's got to go past the line of scrimmage. And I, I think you only got two of the three. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can say there was a receiver in the area, but it doesn't matter. The ball didn't go past the line of scrimmage. And, uh, um, the line of scrimmage box, doesn't yeah. matter if there's was a receiver he, in the area. Was he outside the tackle box? Because it felt like he was still in the tackle if box. There's a rece- so uh, the, first, the first thing is it's receiver in the area. So the way, it, so from how I understand the rule um, is that if there's a receiver in the area, it doesn't matter. That's never intentional grounding if there's a receiver okay. in the area. I'm pulling so, up the play. I I I, you can pull I can't really remember it that well. So, I have not watched the play because I remember okay. at the time I was like, "That's that's grounding." So I was I, watching. So did the, I. I was watching this at the uh, the uh, big tailgate, um, and I was looking at it. I'm like, "That is not that." I didn't catch the intentional grounding as much as the whole wrist being his arm. Yeah, his wrist was down. I agree. But with anyway, that, for intentional grounding, it's if there's a receiver in the area, it doesn't matter if it goes past the line of scrimmage because screen passes exist. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. You're, you're right. You're, yeah, because you totally can throw right. the ball at a guy's feet, and that's a traditional thing you can do. Uh, I've yeah. seen that happen plenty of times where you throw the ball at a guy's feet just to avoid an intentional grounding. But let's say there's not a receiver in the area. So if you're going to throw the ball away, you have to be outside the pocket, and it has to get to the line of scrimmage. It doesn't have to yeah, cross right. it. It just has to get to the line of scrimmage. Now, was in- there a receiver having, in the area? Like, I don't, having, I don't yeah, having now seen the play, it's up for debate whether or not the receiver in the area would cla- – all right, so here's what happened. So there was – so they were in split back, and the running back to Bryce Young's left check released right at the line of scrimmage outside the hash. Uh, Bryce Young rolls to the hash, uh, gets hit where he is clearly actually down, um, and then just flips <laughs> it into the air, like sh- almost straight up. So the yeah. guy, the receiver in the area is at the one yard line, and the ball is five yards deep in the end zone, straight into the air. Yeah, no, it's, that's not. Yeah, that's not receiver in the area. That's. that's, that's I, I wouldn't. It, it was. It was enough. Like at the time that I was like, well, that's. I see the receiver in the area that's clearly grounding. Uh, it's it is moot because he was so clearly down. It's ridiculous. Like even in real time. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Like, bam. What are you gonna do? And also for Texas to now be on the receiving end of terrible calls. Hey, welcome to the SEC, punks. Um, oh yeah, no get used to Big Twelve officiating, getting... which has benefited you for fifty. You know, well, not fifty years because the Big Twelve has only existed for like twenty years. Well, but before the, that, yeah. SWC was your playground. I mean, Texas yeah. has never gotten a bad call in their in their lives. So I have very little. They've only made them. Texas. Yeah, it, it's yeah. There, it, it's 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 very much you know sort of what they get. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, like Alabama looked bad. Like Alabama. Yeah. It, Against a and look, in my opinion, a full strength Texas team is a top five team in a college football playoff contender, uh, because their defense played really, really well. And of course, you know Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. But like, the fact of the matter is, they would have beaten Alabama by like twenty or thirty. And if you're you can, if you're an Alabama team, you cannot lose by twenty or thirty to fucking anybody. Yeah, like, and anybody. The point here is that they're gonna pl- they played six close games last year and they won five of them. It's not happening. They're gonna this play, year. It's just not going to happen. They're going to play six close games this year, and law of averages, they're going to go three and three in those games. 
Uh, I, th- this does not look and and they're in Baton Rouge this year. Yeah, and as an LSU fan, this weekend was the uh, it was the Shaden Freud weekend. Uh, I mean, Freud. it was it was everyone you hate who just taking it in the shorts. It was beautiful. So Alabama, Texas, perfect results. They're both unhappy. Well done. And then the two school, two fan bases who I think took the most enjoyment out of LSU losing the Florida State. I don't think I'm going on a limb saying it was Texas A&M and uh, Notre Dame. Is that it? Does everybody yeah, kind of? I, I would say that? they do. Um, um, man, man. I, yeah. Well, Ole Miss yeah. fans, I'm sure enjoy, enjoyed it, but they didn't. They didn't really say anything. Because they also had to deal with the fact they, that they only scored no. seven points in the second half against Troy. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They uh, okay. I don't. I, I'm not talking. I'm not talking any shit about Troy. <laughs> yeah. No. No. We know. I'm not we, talking we know. Any shit about Troy. So, Texas A&M and Notre Dame, not just losing to F, uh, to uh, Sun Belt group of five teams, getting dominated by Sunbelt teams. By Sunbelt teams. Dominated. Remember. Oh, Sunbelt teams that they paid about $1.5 million to come and play them and then get beat. Can we talk talk about the uh, Texas A&M game? I really want to talk about the Texas A&M game. Let me please have some fun because this game was 17 to 14. Now, you at home who may not have seen this game, uh, and have missed all the coverage about this um, because you've I been living it. under I a rock. I missed the game, sadly. Uh, you, you probably don't realize what happened. First of all, half of Texas A&M's points were the result of a kickoff return touchdown. Wait, which they is, were? Yes. Yeah. Uh, A&M <laughs> scored. A-Chain is often. Yes. A-Chain uh, is A-Chain awesome. Is awesome. Like, yeah. That guy, so, he, he's awesome. He is a very it's, amazing person. His name person. is dangerously close to A-Train, though. Um, yeah, it is. If, if, if you watch the boys, he's awesome. pretty appropriate. He runs that. So he fast. runs very well. Um, so anyway, that means that uh, Texas A&M scored seven offensive points against Appalachian State, uh, who, need I remind you, bail out 63 the week prior to UNC. They out 63 points. Which, by the way, which is the best game I've ever seen. That was an amazing. One of the best I missed that one. Too. I missed that one too. I was on the. I missed. I missed that one too. But of I was course, on the, uh, I was on the UConn sideline for both of those games. Anyway. But like, yeah, I. I, I only yeah. watched the fourth quarter, and it was worth it. I only watched the fourth quarter, and it was anyway one of the best quarters in history. So, so, so let's talk about this game because this game was beautiful. Because you, you, you truly cannot understand the majesty of what Appalachian State did to completely take it to the Texas A&M Aggies, the number six team in the country, until you hear these numbers. Appalachian yeah, State ran 83 plays. Texas A&M ran 38. They ran 38. God. Yeah. Appalachian State had 22 first downs. A&M had nine. Um, they, the, the, the Appalachian State Mountaineers had 315 rushing yards. Texas A&M had 180. Passing I love yards. that offense. Run the damn ball. Okay. Continue. Passing offense. Texas A&M threw for 97, 97 yards. They did not have 100 passing yards in this game. Jimbo Fisher, okay. the quarterback whisperer, everybody. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Texas A&M had, and I'm going to pull up the correct rushing numbers and not the stupid ones where sacks are included because, as we all know... Wait, no, I, we, we got it. Sacks are not rushes. 
correct. Thanks. Thank you for always remembering to repeat that whenever I say it because that's going to become my <laughs> new catchphrase. Um, so let's see. Uh, 93 rushing yards. Um, and uh, App State had 187. And uh, App State ran the ball 51 times and AM ran it 13. So, you know, that's kind of weird there. Uh, and then let's see what else. Um, Texas A&M turned the ball over twice. They fumbled. In, the first fumble was, um, so Haynes King fumbled the ball, and then a lineman picked it up, and instead of, you know, falling on it like a smart human being, yeah, oh, oh my God, this is a great he play. picked yeah. it up and tried to run with it, which resulted in him fumbling the football, which resulted in a turnover. Uh, the time of possession in this game is weird because it doesn't add up to... 60 minutes. Um, I'm not even kidding. The time of possession, according to ESPN, uh, for Texas A&M was 18 minutes, 17 seconds, and for uh, App State was 41 minutes, 29 seconds. Yeah, there's a missing few... Uh, I, I can't... Four yeah, seconds, I, I guess, get, where the ball was on the ground because, you know, Texas A&M, they fumbled the ball twice. Did did, did y'all forget that uh, Texas A&M fumbled the ball twice? Yeah, let me remind you of that. Um, both teams also missed field goals in this game. Oh, App State should have put this game away so much earlier. Yeah, you ran 83 plays. You probably should have done that. But still. um, App State was clearly, I I don't know if anybody watched this game. App State was clearly the better team throughout. A&M could not do anything. The only reason they were still in that game is uh, uh, because of the huge kickoff return. Um, The the, uh, A-Chain's massive kickoff return is what kept this a game. But App State just had the ball the entire... I think there was one point where, like, they had gone almost something like 12 minutes without A&M running a play. I, I, I mean, it was just... It, it, it almost felt inevitable. A, A&M never even threatened. It, it was just such a total... Uh, the other stat that you haven't mentioned yet is that App State went 9 of 20 on third downs, 3 of 5 on fourth downs. Um, A&M only went 2 of 8 on third downs. And that's your ballgame, is that App State just completely dominated this game start to finish. They were the better team. They controlled the football. A&M just couldn't do anything. And it, it just, the entire time you're sitting there thinking, thank God we did not hire this guy. Thank God. I tried to tell people last year, like, you do not want this. Oh, dude, I've been dri- look. I've been driving the Jimbo Fisher is a fraud uh, train longer than I think anybody on the internet. Uh, I, I, I have reserved tickets on that bus, but this was truly his masterpiece. What? I, I, I'm I mean, sorry, you don't want your your team having 97 passing yards in a game yeah, I mean, which you paid the other team 1.5 million dollars to come and play you you don't want but DJ why Durkin would Texas A&M ever defense? make bad financial decisions yeah I mean that's what happens with the whale money you you just you just throw the other thing is you realize because of LSU's interest in the offseason A&M not only gave Jimbo a raise in the offseason they extended his contract so oh our insanely stupid interest in Jimbo Fisher actually worked out to our advantage they Scott are going to have him that longer man. and for more money so thank god uh, um i i can't even if i was an a&m fan i'd be so pissed right now uh, i i just 
And, and look, I wrote about it in the preseason. I do not understand the A&M hype in the preseason. Um, this is a team that lost a ton from last year's team, which wasn't that great in the first place. And people were banking on this amazing recruiting class to suddenly make them good. And I don't want to minimize the class because it was a truly remarkable class. But a lot of that talent was concentrated at just two positions. It wasn't like they had eight five stars and they're going to go all over the lineup. They got eight five stars and they're all wide receivers and defensive linemen. And while that's not bad in and of itself, it limits the impact of the class. Yeah, it, yeah. All... Nope. Yeah. Well, they did get a quarterback, though. Well, they did get a quarterback, line. yeah. Six of the eight five-stars were either defensive linemen or wide receivers. And wide receivers, I tend to think, are kind of hit or miss because we've all, you know, seen five-stars. Hey, speaking of Texas A&M, Speedy Noyle. Let's not, you know. Uh, I was so pissed but, when he went <laughs> Yeah, I was. I was pissed at the time. And then when <laughs> afterwards, you're like, yeah, well, that one worked out well. And also, like, defensive linemen, I'm not talking edge rushers. I'm talking defensive linemen. There's only so many defensive tackles you can run out there. You know, it's not... And the interesting thing about A&M is what's going to happen to those players when A&M starts losing? They're gone. Because, They're gone. yeah, these are not They're guys already who went mad. to school They've for already, love There's of already a guy who said he's not taking a visit to A&M. Yeah, Louisville. There was a uh, the Louisville running back. Um, yeah, uh, and a uh, and a uh, what's his name? Uh, Evan Stewart, their number uh, number one receiver from last year's class. Like he is, uh, he's retweeting a bunch of stuff about how like Texas A and M doesn't have the scheme. It's got the players, it doesn't have the scheme. Texas has the scheme, but it's got doesn't have the players yet. Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, dude, and, that's not good. And yeah, and, and like these are guys who like when you recruit and and I don't. I don't want to even want this to come off as jealousy and stuff. I think A&M did it right. Like, they were the first school to truly realize what NIL was, and they went after it aggressively. The strategy was correct. Uh, I am not saying, ha, 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 how dare you do this. Like, they, they were correct. But the problem is, is when you get guys into your program and the only thing they have loyalty to is their NIL deal, as soon as things go south for a moment, they have no loyalty to your program. I mean, these are pro players who are not seeing results, and there is no limit on transfers. Like these guys are going to bail. And yeah, I. What's yeah. curious is is how those NIL deals are structured. Who gets screwed? We don't know because they're secret. Like I, I I'm genuinely curious what happens when guys start transferring out of and M. Which yeah, I was guarantee it's, it's fascinating. Happen. It, 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 even without dysfunction, it's going to happen. It's because people yeah, transfer. guys are gonna yeah. But like, yeah, like even if people with great, NIL they're... deals are gonna transfer regardless. Now, now they're re- now they're really gonna transfer. Like if they go five and seven this year, they're re- they're gonna transfer t- like extra hard. Uh, yeah, I don't I think mean, they're gonna go five and seven. Like I, I, I they they we, I, we I, I think about they overreactions from week one. Like after week one, everyone was like, oh my god, LSU's terrible. And now in week two. You're looking around going, man, we could still win the West. Uh, I mean, it's on the table. Yeah, but Uh, part of that is because of how bad some of these teams are. I agree. Part of it is because of how bad everyone is. But that's – you can only win who's in front of you. You can only beat the teams that you're going to play. Now, for LSU, the the range of outcomes right now is between, you know, 4 and and 8 and 10 and 2. And that's kind of terrifying. Really, it's crazy. 
I have no idea. We are we are week three into the season, and we have no good, no idea how good this team is. So I don't want to say AM's going to go, you know, four and eight as well. I I, I I can't predict that. That said, it's on the table because who's bet who, who's bad in the SEC West? Like outside of Auburn, who I think really looks bad. Auburn's bad. Auburn's bad. Yeah. Auburn's bad. But other than that, who looks like a layup win? And then on the flip side, who looks like a guaranteed loss? No one. Uh, like, are you right. looking at Bama going, I can't beat Bama this year? I don't think anyone's now looking at Bama saying, oh, that's an unwinnable game. And there have been years you have gone to Tuscaloosa thinking, we need a miracle to win this game. And I don't think anyone thinks that right now. If last year hadn't gone the way it did, I would have thought maybe. But, like, the fact of yeah. the matter is, I think if Jaden Daniels is a quarterback last year, there's a chance they win. Like, yeah, I know, I agree. It's... Like, but you look at it, there, there are, you know, there's eight SEC games for LSU this year, and they don't have to play Georgia, who I think is the one team who they can't beat. Nobody, um, I don't think anybody can, frankly. Uh, I, I think someone could beat them, but no one's going to be ever favored to beat them. Right, so yeah, yeah, that's, games, that's, yeah. That's eight coin flips. You flip a coin eight times. If you if it comes up head six times, that's not a shock, you know. Right. That's so, now the that's question exclusive. is: is heads losses or wins in this scenario? So LSU could go anywhere between six and two and two and six in the SEC, and that would not be surprising. And, and I think that's where we are right now. You know, good. Only, you know, I like it. There, there's no game that's off the table, and. There, there's no game where you're just like, oh, well, we're going to win this. And there's no game where you're like, well, we're going to lose this. And I think every team feels like that. I think Arkansas thinks the same thing. I think Ole Miss thinks that way. And as we transition, segue, motherfucker, into this week's game, Mississippi State thinks the same thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. And let me tell you, it's uh, – I think – it's such an interesting matchup because anytime you get a new defensive play caller in the SEC West, especially after the Bo Pelini disaster of 2020, my first question about them is how are they going to defend Mississippi State? Are they going to do the thing that everybody else does, which makes them really inefficient and is very effective against them? Or are you going to be stubborn and impatient and try to you know bring pressure and play tight coverage and get killed? Um like it's it, it just I just think it's such an because ultimately my answer is like I don't know like I don't know necessarily that Matt House is going to just drop eight, uh, and you know I play dime like returns, on every snap. I think Mississippi State is a test of how smart is your coaching staff. No question. I totally exact. I precisely agree. They're like a triple option team. Yeah, like it's just how well coached are you? And the early returns on this LSU team is that they are well coached. Yes, no question. And so I think, you know, don't hold me to this. I think this is a team that's going to play well against Mississippi State because I think they can understand their assignments and play this game correctly. Now, on the flip side is can they do that for four quarters? Because it is frustrating to play an air raid team. They're going to get points. They're going to get yards. You know, they're going to go up the field. You just got to do – and I hate to say these words. You have to play Ben, don't break. Um but once they get into the 20-yard line, once they get into the red zone, State has problems scoring. Once they're, once the field shortens, it's hard for them to run their offense. 
And yeah, it, LSU it's, knows yeah. that. And it's just this matter of, do I think LSU is the kind of coaching staff that can be patient? And from what I have seen of Brian Kelly's, Kelly so It's far, Brian Kelly, yeah. Games, I think Brian Kelly is patient enough to play this game right. I Yep. Yep, no question. You know, the, the, when it comes to defending the air raid, I mean, I've actually been I've been doing a lot of thinking about it over the last like couple days, more than even I did going into last year's game. Um, like, basically, what you need to do is you need to. And I had the thought today that they're basically almost the new Wisconsin, in that they this is the new three yards in a cloud of dust offense, uh, in the sense that like if you can basically force them to require 18 yeah. play drives if they want to score. And so what that does is it dramatically decreases your margin for error because let's say the quarterback overthrows, you know, a ball in the flat or the receiver drops it or it gets bad at the line or, or any number of normal variance things that can happen in a play happen. All of a sudden you're in third and 10. Um, and it's really, really hard to sort of pick up that 10 yards when you need it when they're putting eight or even nine guys into the coverage because your windows are, are, are constricted. And so what they are very lucky in that they have an extremely proficient and very, very patient quarterback in Will Rogers. Um, now, when they had KJ Costello, uh, you didn't, you know, you could play, you didn't, playing bend but not break defense actually broke the offense. And what I mean by that is you need a quarterback who is really, really, able to to work through their progressions doesn't get impatient and is able to take the layups when they're there instead of trying to be you know too aggressive getting impatient and trying to create big plays um and the fact of the matter is costello turned the ball over a million times that year because he was just trying to force balls into windows because he got impatient uh the other the other thing is that like it's so much stress is placed on the quarterback mentally because it's all straight drop back so players aren't put into any conflict by the air raid, at least by the pure iteration of the air raid, which is the, you know, Mike Leach is the only one really still running it. Uh, they're not placed into conflict whatsoever. So you really have to throw with a lot of anticipation. Um, you have to process leverage and positioning well and quickly. Uh, you have to be able to layer balls and feather them into windows. Like, it's all really difficult. So you're basically forcing, if you are dropping eight, and even dropping nine, like I, you know, I, I wouldn't be totally against them, you know, changing it up and doing that every once in a while. You're dropping eight, you're dropping, uh, you know, nine potentially. You're playing in uh, dime, dollar, and quarter, which are six, seven, and eight DBs on the field. Um, and unless I'm getting dollar and quarter mixed up, because nobody really plays them. It's quarter dime. So, yeah, yeah, it's quarter dime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, nobody, no, because I, I, you know, you know quarter dime. Yeah. Yeah. I always think in the sense of nickel and dime, basically, because I'm watching, you know, non-air raid teams in the NFL. Uh, but, like, you know, with them, you play with seven, eight DBs on the field, uh, and you sort of force them, you force the quarterback to be perfect, snap to snap to snap to snap, and that's difficult. That results in inefficiency. It results in mistakes, even for Will Rogers. And the fact of the matter is, it's you. I don't think you can really – be effective unless you're being efficient uh and you can make them inefficient whenever you want if you simply choose and don't lose patience i mean to give will rogers credit last year he completed 74 percent of his passes and he's already at like 78 percent this year so it's not a fluke this is a guy 
who will t- take what is given to him. And the difference, though, is like if you look at his game by game last year, I, I mean, he was over 70% about just about everybody. The only teams who really only, I mean, he never dipped below 60. The team who gave him the most amount of trouble was Texas Tech. And I don't really count, bowl, you know, bowl games. That, you know, so after a long layoff, he wasn't good. I mean, this is a guy who's going to complete 65 to 75% of his passes against LSU. You just have to accept it. That's what's going to happen. What you need to get out of him is make sure that those completions only result in three or four yards. That they're just running plays. And he never goes yep. over the top. Yep. Will Rogers' average and depth good. of target, sorry to interrupt, is 5. No, this right. year, his, his average depth of target is 5.3. That's that's not and, you can't you cannot sustain that and score a lot of points against decent, decently schemed teams. But yeah, State is a well coached team that is a veteran team. There's they're the most experienced team in the SEC this year. They are basically the definition of a solid team. This is a this is going to be a hard out. LSU is better at almost every position. They have more talent. I honestly think they have a coaching advantage. It's just that you have to play the game because state will dictate how the game is played because that's what the air raid does. And look, LSU beat Mississippi State last year, and my basic point of view is this. If Ed Orgeron can beat them, Brian Kelly can beat them. No question. No question. You know, it's it, it really is just about, you know, staying patient, making them inefficient. Uh, and, and, and I don't know, you know, you could even, like, Frankly, if I were if I were running a defense, I would do the the thing that teams do when they prepare for triple option teams and install like specific packages for that game and rep them starting in the off season, and then I'd have them ready to go for this week. Like I, I would treat them like yeah. a triple option team. Yeah, uh, and, they, are, and, and, the, yeah. they are the triple option in the SEC. I, I agree. This is a freakish team, and you have to play them differently than you'll play any other game this year. I mean, Brian yeah. Kelly even already said that he was treating it like he said it's like preparing for the triple option he's already kind of said that and yet i i hate to say this uh i'm the one here who actually predicts mississippi state to win this game so here's what happened i mean so it could happen there's a couple things that get me here number one i would be a lot more confident this game's coming after the new mexico game lsu's played two games they played the game against Florida State, and then they played an FCS team. So we're really doing a great job on getting things in rhythm. Yes, I get they have good coaching. There's a difference between getting good coaching and actually getting all the guys together. Yes, LSU beat them last year, but was that more of LSU winning or Mississippi State doing two really stupid things to help LSU get there? Don't forget that Mississippi State blew a coverage so badly, I would have been able to catch that ball. Where I can't remember his name. 33. What was his name? Is that? Well, on, I remember we had on who? Mississippi Cam, State? Cole Taylor that had the uh, uh, touchdown catch. It was, the, the, that was the, the one where the... Oh, Trey Palmer, Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer. Thank you very much. Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer Nebraska caught, Trey Palmer. Yes, that's right. Trey Palmer <laughs> settled under a football like it was a punt and caught it because there was nobody within 20 yards, and he scored another touchdown. LSU also was the beneficiary of um, forcing a fumble on the first drive. Yeah, and look, Turner was going to But LSU was ahead of that game for almost the entire way. They were, 
But Mississippi State brought it back pretty close, and that was a three-point game, and had Mississippi State made a field goal, a 33-yarder, that game's much closer. That game's much different. Mississippi, it wasn't like LSU held the lead the entire game. It's not like they weren't blowing it. Mississippi State made that game pretty close, and they lost the game themselves. Had Mississippi State not made a couple stupid mistakes, we might be talking about a completely different game. So I don't necessarily think it's like, oh, but Ed Orgeron could beat them with a bad team last year is really that good an excuse when it wasn't really that the team was better. It's that Mississippi State did it to themselves. In my opinion, just from having remembered that game, it's like, yeah, LSU played well, but they also got damn lucky to get out of there with that win. And that's what gets me, is that we were lucky to get out of there with that win, and that win came later. That came, I think, a game later. They had much more time to get used to themselves. Now LSU's coming in. They're dealing with a major injury with Mason Smith being out. They're also dealing with a suspension in the secondary with the uh, Joe Fouché being out. So that's a guy that they were having in spring who is a like senior. I think he's a senior who has a ton of experience, who's been coached pretty well. Um, don't forget, we got a new secondaries coach. Yeah, like, no, yeah. I, like, Corey it's, Raymond's it's, gone. Yeah, you've uh, got all this new stuff. Uh, yeah. It's I just, this... I just... Let me really I think say. this... LSU is good enough... If you can't beat State, it says more about you than it does about State. I think uh, that there's... I think that I, I think it comes down to your coaching staff and how well prepared you are, and I, I think I'd actually be more worried about this game had we beaten Florida State. If that makes any sense, no, um, it does. It, it makes total sense. Ah, uh, because, because they would have been black. Yeah, this is a team that knows talent won't get you by, and I, I think there is an effort on focus that is that is there because of that Florida State game and because of that. Honestly, like, I I mean, I, I think if both teams play their best game, like, if they both came out there and played the best game they could possibly play, LSU wins this game by two touchdowns. Now, obviously, both teams won't play their best game. So it's the question right. of what's going to happen, you know, when it happens. And I honestly think the answer is this. is I don't think Mississippi State's defense has any answer for Jaden Daniels. Here, well, all right. Here's the thing. So, I, what I would, what I will say is, I think LSU can absolutely lose this game for a couple of reasons. One or three reasons, I think. One, we don't know what LSU really is yet. I don't think. Totally uh, agree. Just because, like, right. the only like real game they played, they did lose. Uh, and, and you know, there's just you know, we can always say like, oh, it could have. You know, it could have gone differently, but like the fact of the matter is, we need more. We need more information uh, about this LSU team to re- I, for me to really be predicting games against conference teams. Um, and the other thing is that like Will Rogers is really, really good. Um, so I think it's very possible that he, like you know, he's just fitting balls into windows and throwing with a ton of anticipation and just creates a lot of stuff in condensed windows and wins the game. I think that's a very possible, very possible. outcome. I, I, I... I, I do not disagree. I w- and the third thing I will say is that I think the the sort of tight front, odd 
surface three three stack stuff uh, that Zach Arnett does is a pain in the ass, and I think it's really re- and I think it's a really bad matchup for what LSU wants to do offensively, especially around the line of scrimmage. Like LSU's run game is, you know, more than more than most other teams inside zone, uh, inside zone heavy um, and dependent. Uh, they also like to sort of steal extra bodies with those tight end RPOs uh, that really read the edge defender. Now they have separate rules for three down. I just don't think they're very good. Um, and, and the fact of the matter, it's it, not not to say that they should be doing something differently against three down. It's just that they're, the stuff they do in those situations are so four down specific that any adaptation to three down is, is really not going to be that great. Uh, so what they do with their tight end RPOs is against four down, they'll read the defensive end like zone read. And if he stays, uh, and if he stays in on, you know, the inside zone, the quarterback will pull outside of him and then have the option to flip to the tight end. If the Sam linebacker runs with him, not, yeah, if the Sam linebacker runs with him or if he, is it the Sam linebacker or the Mike? It's one of the, it's, it's this, it's the first linebacker inside the defense. It's depending on the look, it can be the Sam or the Mike. Um, so basically, if he runs with the tight end, that creates a seam for the quarterback to keep it. It's basically triple op- It's basically a triple option concept. Uh, but against three down, they will block the defensive end because he's going to be inside. He's either going to be head up with or inside the tackle generally. Um, and what they'll do is they'll read the Mike linebacker, uh, and if he sort of stays inside, you flip. Uh, and if he goes outside, yeah, you you hand the ball off. But the but the way they play their fronts, uh, which is very often in the tight front, which Dave Aranda ran for uh, two four eye techniques, uh, D, uh, DNs on the inside shoulder of the ta- of the offensive tackles, and a zero who is head up on uh, on the center. So that just condenses the interior gaps a lot. It takes away the B gaps. It takes away the A gaps, and you can't really run inside zone. So, like, it, it, if they get, you know, a lot of give reads in that situation where they give it to the back, it's just going to get, you know, stuffed. Uh, as for the back end, they play a lot of that uh, three high safety stuff, which is a pain in the ass because, like, it's so flexible in that, like, they can really have robust numbers against anything vertical or they can spin those safeties down at the snap and effectively cover the uh, – quick and intermediate windows. So, like, it's – I just think it's I, – I could also see LSU struggling to move the football, it being a low-scoring game and, you know, Mississippi State winning, you know, on, like, 26 points with a bunch of field goals. Uh, so, so I, I, in, in short, there's a lot that I don't know that I think could go either way. I don't think scheme matters that much when your quarterback can run a 4-4. It's as simple as that. Like he's gonna break down their their defense. Like I, I hope so. It's very like, possible. Yeah. Well, if you can throw, and he's fat, there's no linebacker that can run him down. If they leave a guy there to spy him. It doesn't matter. He he, he can outrun him to the corner, and then they start dropping more guys to protect the run. Daniels can then pick them apart. Yes, I I understand this. There's a difference between what happens on paper and then what happens when you just have a guy. And Daniels looks like he might be that kind of guy. Um, he's basically Jordan legs, Jefferson. Yeah. 
He's Jordan Jefferson with the ability to hit the deep ball. And he's he's a difference maker. And that I think that's one of the big differences. I think the other thing the state has going for him is experience. Uh, do not in college ever underrate the value of experience. And state is the most experienced team in the SEC. LSU is one of the least experienced teams. That is certainly going to play a factor. It does. LSU that does help that it is at home. I would hate. I would hate if this does. game were in Starkville. Yeah, uh, eight for sure on Saturday. So that's you know. Yeah, I, I still I mean, think LSU's going like, to win this game, but it's not going to be comfortable. There, there is no way this is a comfortable game because oh, it I couldn't think, be any worse. It's not like oh, Joe Tessitore is no. on the call. Is oh, it? Thank God. Yep. Oh, Joe no, Tessitore no. is going to be calling this game. Let's go. Uh, that's going to be. This, this is going to be the. This is going to be the weirdest. Yeah, the because effect. Mike Leach being here wasn't going to make this game weird enough. Look, I, I I understand that I understand that like science and data and all that stuff are real, but the Joe Tess effect is one hundred percent. We literally the saw it the so, first yeah. game. Who yeah, we have already had one test game. It yeah, is profoundly real. Yeah, we, we've already like, had a test game. We don't need a second. We don't need I a second one in the three weeks. I don't do a lot of gambling, but my gambling advice would be to never bet a Joe Tess game ever. Ever. Well, no, unless you're going to bet if it's like if the spread is more than seven points. Then yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no. Then, defi- then definitely uh, then definitely take the, the underdog to cover because it's yeah, going to be close it, and it's going to be weird. It's going to be close and coming out of the final play. Yeah, But exactly. by the way, I should note, Mississippi State's the favorite in this game, minus two and a half. That's within the Joe Test margin, though. So yes, don't bet I know. on this I'm game. I'm just saying that Mississippi State is the favorite. They are. That is a fact. That's, I, I could not be happier. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons LSU is going to win. So, yes, I still uh, think, yeah. I, I'm still expecting Mississippi State to win, and right. uh, that's, that's I'm not expecting I am not expecting anything. I really am not. I I'm expect just expecting nothing. this game to take forever because passing. That's true. That that's going to happen. It's going to take 50 forever. Fifty passes in each of their last oh. two games. There are two things I know will happen. It's it's going to take a long time, and Joe Tess is going to go berserk at something weird that happens at the end, and it's going to rule. He's going to yeah, go something... berserk in a first down uh, three-yard run or something. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, you should... know what? Going... Good for him. I'm going to go insane. That's what's going to happen at the end of this game. That That is the one rock-solid prediction I have. Is that... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this game will drive me nuts. <laughs> I'm a oh, big fan a of... Guarantee. I'm a big fan of announcers enjoying things. Uh, so I love Joe Tess. Uh, but, yeah, no. This game is going to shave some years off of all of us. And I'll be there to see it in person. Yeah, that's gonna here. be fun. So, yeah, so let's. I, let's I wish I, I wish I could be there for, with you guys. I will be in Ann Arbor. Um, I'll be in Ann Arbor going to the Big House for the first time, which I'm pretty excited about. We'll have uh, a bunch of fun at the Big House. Uh, we will be drinking plenty of fluids. Um, yeah, fluids. That's what I'll be drinking. And I don't drink alcohol, so it will not be beer. I, I think Poser and I drink. Of, yeah, I think, I think Poser and I drink alcohol. enough yeah. to uh, make up for. Yeah, make up for, make it. Up for you. It, it, yeah, yeah for sure. We've got you covered. We've got you covered. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I mean, when I went to I went to the uh, Texas A and M game last year, um, the Jimbo Fisher eight and four inevitable game uh, when he lost to Ed Orgeron for the last time. Um, very funny. Uh, yeah, no. So I was like, you know, I was going to the DVA tailgate. And I was like, 
all right, I'm not. I'm just not gonna. I, I, I'm gonna. Dr- I'm gonna have like one drink today, just so I don't like stumble around and embarrass myself. And I did only have one drink, uh, and that was enough because it's different down there. Ugh, it's everything is strong, man. It's crazy. Oh. So, it was awesome. Yeah, though. let's enjoy. Yeah, like I know we had a game in New Orleans, we had a home game, but it was it was against Southern. This is the first true home game of the season so everybody let's have fun out there yeah let's do it and by the way there's going to be members of the 2011 sec championship team back in the stadium t bob a bear will blackwell brandon taylor and jordan jefferson oh heck yeah after i made a jordan jefferson comparison let's do this yes hey his hey the jeffersons are uh uncanceled by the LSU fan base because now one of them is literally the best receiver in the entire NFL. That's right. The Jeffersons, they're really moving on up. They are moving on up. 